following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our first reading from today is from Psalm 106. Uh, We're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favour to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. We have sinned, even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. Our second reading for the day is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to my wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servant went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My name's Jeff Hatton, and like Peter, I'm a member of the congregation here uh, at St. Nick's. Let's pray. Awesome, holy, heavenly Father, by your Spirit and in the name of Jesus, may I speak and may we listen. Amen. So the parable that Catriona just read for us is the third of three 
that have come up over the last uh, few weeks where Jesus is challenging the religious leaders primarily on their authority, their ideology, their theology, their, um, their whole being. And this, the third parable, centers on a party. Remembering that uh, these three parables are spoken in what we call Holy Week. Uh, Jesus is days away from the cross, which looms large over everything. So this is a party, and it's a wedding celebration. It's not a funeral wake. This is thrown by the king for his son who's been married. I'm indebted to Kenneth Bailey and his excellent book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, for a cultural background to this parable, the culture that was in Jesus' days and in many Middle Eastern countries still is today. So the scenario goes something like this. The host would set a date. The initial invitations would be taken to the prospective guests, probably verbally. Those guests would respond there and then, yes or no. As black and white as that, yes or no. If they answered yes, then that was binding on them to actually honour their word and go to be there. Nearer the date, the host would sit down with his guest lists, those who have said yes, and based on that would work out how much needed to prepare, how many oxen, cattle, sheep, how much wine needs to be uh, provided, uh, bread to be baked, cakes, puddings to make, then when the time was come and all the food was prepared, laid out on the table as it were, the servants would go to those who said, yes, I'll come, and say something like, come, now, now is the time, now the food is prepared, now it's set out, it's ready, come now, enjoy the party. And those guests would put on their best party togs and go and have a really good time. In the case of a wedding reception, probably lasting up to a week. So the king in this parable sends his servants to tell the invited guests, those who had said yes, that everything is done, it's ready, it's prepared, come. What would be totally unexpected and unacceptable at this point would be for those who have said yes to now back out, to now not turn up. Imagine all of that food. I don't know how many guests there would have been, but the food, the drink, everything was prepared. What's going to happen to it? Imagine how the host felt to be that host, to have everyone now turn your invitation down. 
So just pause for a second and think you're the host. You've spent however much. You've slaughtered so many animals. You've got everything ready and no one's come. So how are you going to feel? The king sends his servants again. It gets worse. They're attacked, even killed by those guests who don't want to know in any way. And rightly enraged, the king orders those guests be treated as the then custom dictated with the greatest severity. But there's still the problem of all the food. The king could do a mishavisham as in great expectations and just leave it all out, let cobwebs go on it, let the food go mouldy, let it bake hard, solid. But he doesn't. He commands his servants to go out, go to the highways, the byways, the street corners, the taverns, the rough areas, the poor areas, and tell those previously uninvited, come, you're invited to the feast the king has organized. Invite anybody you can find. Just say, come, it's all prepared, it's done. So again, pause. Put yourself in the place of one of those people. A servant has just come up to you. I know you weren't invited originally, but there's all this food and the king wants you to come. So come, come and join in the party. How are you gonna feel? How do you feel that you have been invited? Well, back in 2015, a young woman in the USA, a Miss Quinn Duane, was to get married. Everything was prepared, everything was paid for, everything was planned. And a week before the wedding was due, the groom got cold feet and did a runner. Invitations to over a hundred guests had been sent and accepted. Okay, slightly different reason for this reception going a bit skew-if. But nonetheless, a vast amount of food had been prepared. It had been paid for. The reception alone cost in the equivalent of about £30,000. This was a big bash in a posh hotel. Far too embarrassing for Quinn to go ahead with it, especially as half the guests would have been her groom's family and friends, what to do. So in the same vein as this parable, she sent invitations to 90 men women and children from homeless shelters, the down and outs, the druggies, the prostitutes. Invitation to the meal of a lifetime. 
Some of her friends, bless them, even chauffeured these new guests to the venue. Some donated their party clothes and a great time, understandably, was had by everyone. Those people treated and fed like royalty for a night. So again, pause. How would you feel if that was you? Sat in a homeless shelter, sat in a cardboard box, and someone comes along and says, we've got this reception at the Ritz Hotel, or the equivalent, and we'd like you to come. So what's going on in this parable then? Jesus is talking primarily to the religious elite of his day, those who made up the Sanhedrin, the most powerful uh, Jewish body in Palestine. There'd be others within earshot of what Jesus is saying, and they would listen. But this is aimed primarily at the religious leaders. First of all, the picture of such a banquet, of such a feast, and its place in Jewish thinking. This wasn't some uh, new parable, as it were, about a feast that Jesus had just invented. This went back centuries. The idea, the imagery of a divine heavenly banquet. Isaiah, early on in his prophetic ministry, um, speaks of a heavenly banquet. He foretells of a divine meal, not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for everyone. This is what he says. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a, a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best meats, on this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. Imagery picked up at the end of the Bible in Revelation. So this image of a divine banquet that God is going to hold for all people. Sadly, over the years and by Jesus' day and beyond, had changed dramatically. Gone had been that all-inclusive, everyone, all people. What had come in was, this is for the Jews only the people of Israel. This had now become very narrow, very closed. No Gentiles, no misfits, no unclean leopards or shepherds or prostitutes or tax collectors. This parable goes back to what Isaiah originally spoke of, what God intended. It stands the present-day thinking in his time right on its head. The characters, then, 
in this parable. The king is Yahweh, the almighty one. The son for whom the banquet is being organized is Jesus. And again, if you go to Revelation, it speaks of Jesus and his bride, the church, you and me. The servants of the prophets, those originally invited but declined the Jewish nation. Finally, those invited from the street corners, the highways and the byways are you and me. Everyone. It doesn't matter whether we, they, are, are good or bad, Jewish or Gentile, clean or unclean. Invite them all, said the host. Tell them the banquet is in full swing and they are all invited, all welcome. This parable shouts from the rooftop of God's grace, shouts of what Jesus has done. We didn't get invited to this banquet because of our social status, whatever that might be, our wealth, our brains, our goodness, or any other merit we dare to throw up and say, I deserve this. So the party is in full swing. Those uninvited guests are now there enjoying themselves. The king comes in, and there's a man there who stands out like a sore thumb. It's like he had a flashing neon sign above his head. Why? Well, because he is the only one who isn't dressed for the party. So what's that all about? I have to be honest and say there are many answers to that as there are the number of people at the banquet. He was there by invitation. He hadn't just gate crashed and he came. But why was he there? Why wasn't he dressed for the occasion? It doesn't seem he was there to honour the sun. Indeed, again, Bailey would say in the culture of the day, he was being disrespectful by not dressing correctly. To me, it feels he's there for himself, for what he can get out of it. So Jesus closes the parable. Again, with strange words, many are called, but few are chosen. If everyone, anyone, is invited to this heavenly banquet to hear the good news of salvation, of freedom, of forgiveness in Jesus, then everyone is called. Whoever hears the gospel in whatever language, in whatever culture, wherever they are, they are being called. 
but not everyone who hears responds. It's like the guests. They say no. They turn their backs. Everyone is called, but few are chosen. And remembering all of this, this too is the Father's divine grace. Jesus said on another occasion, you did not choose me, I chose you. So the banquet has been prepared. We will have a foretaste in a moment in communion. The table is set. The invitations have gone out. How do we know that we're called? How do we know that we're chosen? That we will get to the banquet? It's actually quite simple. You accept the invitation. You respond to Jesus' call to declare Jesus is your Lord and Saviour. I wonder, have you done that yet? Whether you're sat here in a church building, have you done that? whether you're watching this, wherever you're watching this, however you're watching this, have you done that? If you haven't, then the invitation is to you today and every day. Come. It's prepared. You don't have to do anything. You don't bring anything. The Father has prepared it all. The invitation is sent afresh to you today. Simply ask Jesus into your life. Let him be the centre. Let him be your way, your truth, your life. And then party into eternity. Amen. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you and praise you for the invitation you give us, for those who have accepted that invitation and come. And as we partake in this communion this morning, Lord, a foretaste of that divine banquet, we thank you that you've set the table. Pray, Lord, for those who have not yet accepted your invitation that even today might be the day they do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.